Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, October 25th, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week is show and tell. We've been coding our fingers to the bone and have launched a bunch of projects that we humbly submit for your review, dear listener. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Y'all situated over there? Yeah, I feel like my connection's a little bad tonight, so. You sound like clear as a bell. Oh, that's good, because you, you sound kind of kind of robot-y on my end. Really? Ah, oh, that stinks. Well, hopefully it sounds good on the recording. I'm act- I probably, is it, maybe it's not robot is it a little zombie, zombie-ish? Uh, no, it's, it's definitely some kind of distortion, electronic right. distortion. It's not just, not just lack of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a thing when you have a uh, an infant in the house that mm-hmm. it's not just lack of sleep because I already had that. It's right. the uh, it's what's causing the light. It's like the the she's actually great and doesn't really scream that much, but there's something about that sound that they make when they're uncomfortable or upset that is it just like it doesn't matter if you have ear, you could put earplugs in or be under it doesn't matter it drills right through your soul. Yeah, and it wears you out. Yeah, it does. It's not like you just stayed up too late watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, I guess we do have a, a, in a sense, we have a little bit of housekeeping this week because we've been gone for two weeks, technically. We have been. Which is a first. This is episode 79, believe it or not. And this is the first time we've sort of missed two weeks. I've been late and stuff before. Uh, but not actually, you know, and we, and we posted some audio last week, but it wasn't both of us talking. It was like, it was kind of a, it's kind of cheesy, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, uh, but the, the reason for that is because, uh, the star household has a new edition, which came, which she's about eight days old. So that came right in the middle of the two weeks. And, uh, Kelly, you were on uh, at a conference and then also did rails rumble yes i had a i had a conference and then i had a mini vacation and then i had rails rumble yeah so we have it's been really hard to uh get on the phone at the same time with no noise in the background it <laughs> is highly likely that there will be some screaming <laughs> maybe me maybe maggie maybe me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um Cool. We have a really fun show this week, I think, um, because we have both been doing a lot of work lately, a little bit less uh, consulting and advice and a little bit more actual coding, which is uh, has been fun for me. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. So we want to um, run down a bunch of these things, see how many we can fit in because we have quite a few. And uh, everything's live. So, dear listener, you can visit these different things and view source and sort of make your own judgment about goodness or badness and uh, and hopefully uh, learn something either from mistakes that we made or from cool stuff that we did. Uh, but there's a pretty wide variety of things to look at. So, Kelly, want, do you want to start with itemize the, uh, your Rails Rumble entry? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if we mentioned it. Um, I, I launched Itemize quite some time ago. It's probably been a little over a year now. And it's a, 
Uh, what it is, it's just a, a very simple invoicing tool. And I, I originally wrote it because I was doing some projects for some friends and family and that kind of thing. And, and I wanted to be able to send out invoices to people, but I wanted to keep it separate from a lot of my other work stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want it in my in my work billing system. Right. So I kind of originally wrote it for that purpose, but I never was like, totally happy with the look or function of it. So I decided to redo it for Rails Rumble. Cool. So Rails Rumble is you want to just tell people what in case they don't know what Rails Rumble is. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a forty eight hour online sort of distributed programming competition. Um, we're teams of teams of one to four people, and they're they're often like people that are in the same place or people that work together remotely. And uh, I soloed this year, and um, yeah, they have forty eight hours to build a build a web application uh, from concept to completion in uh, Ruby on Rails or some other you know rack based framework. Mm, cool. And now, did you notice any of the other uh, entrants? trembling in their boots because you won your last hackathon <laughs> no but i didn't i didn't spread the word about that too much either though so yeah it, yeah they might not let you in kind of yeah like i could have <laughs> i guess i could i guess i could have floated the irc channel with it or something <laughs> oh was it to, is they have like a huge group irc of everyone who's yeah yeah it's pretty cool because you can uh, it gets really quiet at times when everybody gets head down but <laughs> coding because you only have 48 hours but yeah it's it's fun to just hang out in there because you know everybody's it's a competition but everybody's still really helpful with to to one another and and that sort of thing so there's a good good sort of community vibe going on that way oh i did not know that 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 is really cool that's a cool little uh feature or i don't know it's not really a feature but that's like a great idea it makes it seem a little bit more communal and fun and yeah and like you're all in a big room Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a fun part of it. So. All right, cool. So, so itemize. Um, you know, people can probably imagine what an invoicing app looks like. They can actually visit itemize.cc to see for themselves. Um, but do you want to just sort of talk about some of the the from a technical standpoint, some of the things that they should expect to see when they get there? Uh like for example, like the or the you know you built it mobile first. It's a responsive yeah, web design. It's yeah, the, yeah, I did, I did. I took a took a, a mobile first approach and responsive. Everything's responsive, and that was actually one of one of the the key selling points I wanted was was the the sort of mobile friendly, um, mobile mobile friendly aspect of it. Because I I don't know of a lot of of invoicing tools that really are do work well on mobile from from both both the side of oh, I want to create an invoice and then also I want to look at an invoice. So, so that was kind of a, a big thing for me. Yep. And, so it's, um, yeah. And it's like, you, yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally think of like creating an invoice on an iPhone or something. It's like, but you really, the user interface that you provide really makes it doable um, to on the fly create, you know, these kind of, it's not the kind of thing you do was your main invoicing thing for your business, but uh, yeah. on a mobile yeah, phone, it, it makes sense. Yeah. If it's, uh, yeah, right. You said it's it's not the not the kind of thing you do for your for your main business. If you're if you're doing a lot of recurring invoices or you find yourself entering a lot of invoices, that kind of thing, this probably isn't the right tool for you. It's it's really designed to be a simple invoicing for small jobs. Was the the, the my, my hook there? Nice. And and yeah, it's got a got a, got a multi step sort of wizard that it walks you through. 
for creating the invoice, which um, I think probably works pretty well on the phone, um, being that it kind of breaks up the process like that. And then the th things that you would have to enter every time, such as uh, your own contact information and tax rates and that kind of stuff, get saved uh, get saved locally. So mm -hmm. you go back to the site in the browser. You don't have to, to fill in all that stuff every single time. Right, which you, but, you've kind of skipped over a, major, a big feature, which is that there's no login. Right, right. That was it kind of... Uh, intentionally done right so, so I, I didn't i didn't want something that complicated it's it's i mean it's literally you just go you fill it out you click a button that's it you're done yeah it's for casual invoicing yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna invoice somebody <laughs> yeah, just some, some <laughs> casual invoicing among friends <laughs> yes yeah, like in, in college when people would casually just move parking tickets from the car their car to the car behind them the hoping car behind that, them yeah <laughs> Maybe they'll pay it. <laughs> right, right. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just forward this invoice on to yeah. I'll just send it but, to someone. <laughs> yeah, but it's got a, a couple of, of other features. Um email delivery and PDF exporting. You can download the invoice, it's a PDF. Mm -hmm. And uh if anyone, which I highly doubt, except for possibly you, is familiar with the <laughs> with the original version. Uh, I did add a couple of things to this one. I added um, optional product codes and item descriptions and um, the ability to add and calculate sales tax. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. And speaking of uh, form input fields, uh, you used uh, some of the new HTML5 form inputs and... Um, you know, to which is really nice on mobile because it it automatically calls up a keyboard that's appropriate to the import input type. Yes. So, like an email field, the keyboard will look different on an email field uh, than Versus it will for a number field or URL or number, like you said. Yeah. So it's really cool. So people should check it out. Um, view source and uh, and either dig it or complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, go to, go to RailsRumble.com and vote for it. Yes. Is the, now, does the voting, this will, this, we are recording actually, this the, early. Actually, the voting, will, yeah, the voting will be over by the time this goes live. Yeah, so, so I'll tweet about it. But, so, dear listener, you, it would be too late to vote for this by the time the audio goes live. But, um, you know, I'm sure it doesn't matter because you're going to win. <laughs> I doubt it. There's some pretty good, pretty good apps this year. And quite yeah, a I, few. I may, There's yeah. hundred, hundreds uh, there, there were, I think there were 500 teams entered and there's something like over 200 completed apps. I don't know the total number of completed. I just know that it's over 200. Yeah. I was just browsing through a little bit cause you have to, it's a little weird how the public gets to vote. So I was just browsing through real quick before the show and it's like too much. There's, I was overwhelmed. There's so many. Yeah. I just, I just now tonight got through going through them. So. Excellent. So yeah. Itemize for your casual invoicing needs on mobile or desktop <laughs> or TV right. or TV or, or anything else. Yes. All right, cool. So, uh, moving right along, uh, yes. let, let's talk about entertainment weekly next. Uh, okay. I have been referring to entertainment weekly, um, at least for at least three months on the <laughs> podcast. Um, if I, if you heard me referring to large publishing company, um, I did the JavaScript for the new mobile site for Entertainment Weekly, and uh, it was a it was a team a big team effort. Actually, it was a huge project. There, I just did a teeny little bit of JavaScript on it, 
but I had a fair amount of input actually into the design in terms of um, uh, mostly page performance, I guess, when I think back on it. But there's a lot of, uh, and also the workflow that the team did. But um, it was a, uh, a team organized by Josh Clark, who was the author of Tapworthy and a really fun guy. Uh, he sort of did the, he was sort of the product manager on our side and Brad Frost did all of the HTML and CSS. Uh, Dan Mall did the uh, visual design and UX and all that sort of stuff. He created all the visual assets and style tiles and element collages. Uh, and uh, let's see, Enter Entertainment Weekly was Robert Gorell did the information architecture and wireframes. And I, like I said, I did the JavaScript. So I sort of swooped in at the end after everything was done. <laughs> and made kind of wired things up and uh okay so then that went to and the, but that was the we just did the designs we delivered like static html css and javascript files and then a company called 10 up did an amazing job of integrating that into wordpress vip uh, which is a job mm -hmm. that i would not wish on my worst enemies and they did amazing work so yeah so um a couple it's a it's a you know, you should just go to m.ew.com. Uh, I suppose there's a couple of things that I are worth pointing out uh, when people, you know, that people can keep in mind as they're looking through the site and looking through the code and some of the design decisions and all that. Uh, the big one in my mind is that it's an m.site at all. One would think that you would just have one responsive site for the whole wide world. Uh, yeah, but, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it's actually a little bit embarrassing to tell you the truth. That it's an M dot site, um, but the, so the funny thing is, though, it's still totally great on a desktop. In my humble opinion, um, you could just visit m dot ew dot com in your desktop browser and browse that site normally, and it works fine and it, it scales up that high. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it on my desktop right now. It looks fine. Yeah, and so hope you know at some point hopefully they'll it will just consume the existing site so they don't have to maintain two different sites because they do like most large publishing companies and in fact large companies in general they have extremely convoluted um, backend systems that are sort of uh, a combination of different systems that are uh, I don't want to say patched together but they're not they're not originally meant to be integrated so it's a, a complicated process complicated workflow for them. To produce things so it would probably be nice if they just had one um, but for business reasons they couldn't just uh, just have one site it's a long story so that was just part of the deal uh, so the our our um, instruction was to create a site that would work on a screen as small as like uh, an iPhone 3g uh, or as big as say an iPad mini or um, like uh, Nexus has kind of basically like a seven inch tablet. Yeah. So that was where we really tested and, and did everything, but we just sort of automatically do our, you know, especially Brad just automatically builds things responsibly. So uh, it scales up nicely to the desktop. Um, okay. So that was one thing that M dot, the M dot question. It, I, I thought it was pretty cool of them to not redirect desktop browsers to the WWW site, by the way. So yeah. they, there's a minor concession to the future, hopefully. Uh, the other, uh, let's see, the other really cool thing about it uh, is that it was kind of like our team workflow. And the way that it worked is that um, Robert, and we had tons of meetings, uh, Josh and, and Robert met with uh, 
just like tons of site users, like actual people who go to Entertainment Weekly. They did the, you know, customer interviews basically had lots of interesting takeaways there. Then we met with maybe 20 people from Entertainment Weekly in New York one day and uh, went through uh, a really fun series of full day series of exercises and, and all sort of fun, cool designy stuff. It's not the kind of thing I'm usually privy to. <laughs> Yeah, I think Brad blogged about, uh, wrote about some of them on his blog. I read them. It sounded pretty, sounded pretty, pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> mm, yeah, Josh, Dan, I, I give all of us blogged about it. Josh, Dan, Brad, me, uh, Robert, everybody blogged about it. So you can uh, go to, uh, well, I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, it's probably best to start with Josh's post, which is like five thousand words long and, and gives the whole mm. big picture, and then Brad's. They're all really good. Uh, so in like responsive design, the, the process of how to do a responsive design project with a client is very hard. Uh, it's a very difficult shift to make. And so I yeah. feel like Josh is kind of pioneering the process and has a lot of really interesting things, things to say about it. Cause responsive web design is not hard on its own. Technically, uh, it's, it's convincing. It gets really hard when you're either a trying to shoehorn an old site into a responsive suit sort of, or if you are, are are dealing with a client who just doesn't get it. And it's like, so like one of the things, like we never had pixel perfect comps for them to sign off on. Like that never happened. It was not a deliverable. Right. So yeah, you know, it's kind of, kind of hard for them to, to visualize sometimes I think. Oh yeah. And, and you know, and there's, it's not just, it's not just the 20 people that were in the room that day. It's like every week we would have a meeting and what do we show them, you know? And so the, basically it was kind of a bunch of things that were happening in parallel. And there's a couple that, that uh, the dear listener can actually use, which is nice. Um, the information architecture, so based on the, the customer meetings and the existing site and the business rules and all that, Robert put together a bunch of wireframes. It's basically laid out where stuff would be. So it's kind of like the real gray boxy kind of static wireframes. Mm-hmm. Not too much animation type indications it was all static but there's every once in a while be like oh and this would slide over but it didn't actually do anything so once we had that um dan was able to start working on things like typography color palette uh he worked really closely with uh, a guy whose name i don't know if i'm supposed to share or not but uh at at, you know the art director at at ew who was great they had tons of uh, tons of assets already so they they kind of like created a uh, I know they all hate the term mood board, but to me, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mood board of everything that is going to go into the site. Uh, yeah, so so Dan was putting together that stuff. And then at the same time, Brad was putting together this thing he called Pattern Lab, <clears throat> which, you know, he knew, like, it's a website. It's going to have a header. It's going to have a footer. It's going to have an article page. There's a bunch of stuff you can guess. Mm-hmm. And he started to put together um, these little... HTML, it was like a PHP framework he put together that allowed him to create what he called atoms, little teeny, almost like widgets uh, of HTML, CSS, that he would then combine in larger and larger elements, like what did he call them, atoms, and then molecules, and then, uh, I don't know, components or corpuscles, <laughs> like a <you know>, whole, <laughs> whole metaphor going. And he would just sort of keep combining them together until he got pages. And it was... Uh, so it, be, it was very dry in a way because if you needed to change something, you just go into that file and change it and it would update everywhere, right. which was sometimes bad because it would update in places that maybe you weren't aware of. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it was a very, very good thing. 
And so what we would do is as all of these things were kind of coming together, we would focus on a particular page, like, okay, we're going to focus on an article page and then kind of do a full iteration of an article page. And then that's what we'll show next week. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would show it in this pattern lab thing, which, which automatically would resize to different sizes so they could actually see it in a narrow view and a medium view and a large view and an extra large view. And it even had a button that said disco mode that you'd press (laughs) and it would just randomly resize up and down. So people should check out um, uh, Pattern Lab. We'll link to it in the show notes, but check out Pattern Lab. Uh, It's an open source project that you can download and set up uh, for yourself. It's, It's definitely a tool for a big job. It's not something you'd probably use just to do a project for yourself. It's... You wouldn't, it, you wouldn't use it for itemize. No, no. It's first. It's <laughs> like for ha- it's like when you have to do client presentations when you yeah. have no, you really don't have sign off on a design and you want to. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the the design started. They came in very black and white and gray like wireframes. But then as Dan's uh, stuff started coming in, then Brad would add CSS, and so things started to almost like colorize. So it almost went. For, it was like Wizard of Oz. Like went from black and white to, you know, <laughs> uh, the Turner era. It was really, and it was really, really cool. I, I, it was extremely useful. It would have been very hard to do it without that. Uh, so that was Pattern Lab. That was really helpful. Um, and then another thing, uh, this will be the last thing I suppose that I talk about, but the last thing was that um, we relied heavily on Git and GitHub to, to deal with all of the code, all the people that were working on the code, especially the CSS files. There was like not, it was very fuzzy and gray about who, needed to touch the CSS because definitely Brad had to. He did authored the vast majority of it. Right. But then there were times when you would need to. Yeah. Every once in a while I'd have to go in and, and mess around with some stuff. And so there's at least two people, sometimes three people working in the CSS files. Um, Brad would mostly be the only one to touch the HTML, but every once in a while I would have to as well because you know, there's like a lot of different ways to mark up a page. And sometimes it would be marked up in a way that made the JavaScript really hard. And if I could just rearrange the HTML a little, the JavaScript would be really easy. Right, right. Change the source order a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So there was, a, there was a lot of that. And one of the one of the things that came up over and over and over again when we were doing that was that he used a lot of uh, hover styles in the CSS because we were demoing the site in a desktop browser. Mm-hmm. So in these weekly client meetings, we're showing in a desktop, but the actual site was never really supposed to be on a pointer device at all, you know, because we're just doing the M dot site, it should be touch. And right. so, yeah, so those hover styles became really problematic for me because they're, uh, they're not reliable on touch devices. Yeah. It's sort of like a best effort <laughs> on touch. <laughs> So to make a long story short, I had to go back through and basically replace all of the hover styles with um, with explicit like dot hover or dot action uh, active is usually what I would yeah, do. Yeah, actual classes. Right, right. Which led to the fast active project yeah. I posted. I, I, I figured that was where that came out of. Yeah, that had a lot to when do you, with it. And you started down this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I used fast active on itemize. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's not. I assume it was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, there's no excuse not to use it on everything. So. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's there. There is a one caveat, not to go off on a tangent, but there's one caveat, which is that if you're going to use, if if you're not going to use touch events at all except for this, it might cause a performance problem on really big pages because when you start listening to touch events, it means the browser has to do a lot more work mm-hmm. when you're trying to scroll the page. Because every single time your finger touches, it has to be like, wait, 
is he going to handle it or should I scroll? Yeah. So, yeah, but I've absolutely never, I've, I've heard people tell me that or people have told me that, but I've never seen it in practice at all. But I tend to not make gigantic HTML pages for mobile. So Maggie's chiming in in the background. Sorry about that. I guess the last thing to talk about on the EW project that was interesting was the, um, was using GitHub webhooks. Uh, so as we were, as we were going through this workflow, you know, we, we couldn't really just HT, uh, FTP files up to the demo server because too many people were working on them and you'd be writing over other people's files and be like, well, which files should I transfer? It was like ridiculous. FTP was absolutely not an option. Yeah. So we had to use Git. So the way that we set it up was that people would, you know, clone the repo locally. They'd do their work and they'd push it up to GitHub. And then I had uh, webhooks set up that would ping a, a uh, PHP script on the web server, the demo web server, not the one that we were at. Well, there's actually two servers. There was a test server that we were all sort of, uh, you know, we would do our development locally and then we'd push to GitHub. Then the code would go to a test server so Josh could see all of whatever was on GitHub was then hosted on the test server in real time. Mm -hmm. So he, at any point, he could go in and know that uh, if there was something broken on the test web server, then that code was in GitHub and it was a problem because people shouldn't have, you shouldn't be pushing code that you, that wasn't working. Right. So that was great. And then uh, once a week we would, and we did all that work on a dev branch uh, and then once a week, I would merge the dev branch into master. And when I pushed master, then it would uh, ping a webhook that would, or the webhook would ping uh, the demo server and it would pull down just the master code. So that worked pretty well, but um, there were a couple of horrible, there was at least one horrible episode where one of the designers had to redo a ton of work because he was working on master and he made so many changes that we couldn't merge it. So we had to throw them away. Uh, and it was just one of those things that like he was very new to Git. Brad was very new to Git. So having them work on, you know, having them have to remember to work on dev was not a great thing to do. And in retrospect, what we should have done was your suggestion, uh, which is to actually have them fork it and do whatever they wanted. They could go nuts. They could, if they were really good with Git, they could branch like crazy and merge everything back into theirs and then push to master. And then I would tag releases. And when I tagged a release, that's what would go to the demo server. Yeah. And then they could make pull requests against their for their forks could make, pull, make full, yeah. they could make pull requests from their forks and, and what have you. So yeah, that's, uh, the, the projects I've done where I've collaborated with um you know occasionally we work from the same repo and i mean that's how you and i've always done it yeah cause and, it's just two and i do that on yeah i do that on some some other projects too but for for anything big and complicated yeah everyone has their own fork and um, of the repository and then pull requests get made right which is a little bit would have been a little bit more work for me because then i have to review all the pull requests mm -hmm. but but that's cool because it gives me a little bit of um it, there's like so a little code review there, so that's good, and I could say like, "Oh, dude, you can't, I can't pull this yeah. in because you added more hover styles or whatever." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so fix that, you know. So that that really is what we should have done because it would have provided a little bit more quality assurance, I think, and it would have been a little bit more of a safety net for the the newbies. Yeah, for complicated projects, it really is the the way to go, and mm. um, there's actually a good good utility to to assist with that um it's called git flow it's yeah a, i've 
I don't know about that. You, I don't know. Can, I mean, you convin- I, yeah. can you convince me that that's a good thing for newbies? Uh, for newbies, no. It's not a good thing for newbies. Oh, okay. And then, then we're in agreement. Because I like Git Flow, yeah. but it, if you've got, like, designers on the team that that are using... Like, they were using, like, the, the GitHub oh, GUI yeah. client. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're good with command line Git, then Git Flow is, is, is nice. But if you're if you're a newbie or and using the the GUI client or something, then no, that would just confuse you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Because I do like Git Flow, but it's it's you got to know what you're you kind of have to know what yeah. you're doing and have some discipline, yeah. be used to Git and all that. So yeah, so go to m.ew.com, play with the site, try not to get sucked into all the fun entertainment news, which is <laughs> really easy to do. And uh, if you specifically want to look at um, some of the, the most complicated stuff I did on that site were, was definitely the image galleries. But there are a bunch of subtle little things like the, the sharing. If you go in an image gallery and click on the share, it like flips the page over and shows the discuss comments. And there's a bunch of cool little interactions in there that you can play with. Yeah, it looks great on the phone. I was looking at my, oh, thanks. my iPhone here. The thing that really blows me away is how fast that thing loads. Yeah, because it is a monster, and that's it's partially credit to us, but it's mostly credit to TenUp for doing the integration with WordPress VIP. I don't know what they did, but uh, they made that thing screaming fast. So very cool, very good job by TenUp. Yeah, yeah. Word WordPress and screaming is words that I quite <laughs> quite often use in the same sentence, but really in that context. <laughs> yep, I know what you mean. So very, whoa. So does Maggie. <laughs> yeah, I should. She she gets that way when we start talking about WordPress. Yeah, yeah. You should you should tell her her site's on Tumblr. <laughs> That's true. Her site is on Tumblr. So I won't talk about it as much, but uh, TechCrunch went live at almost the exact same time as Entertainment Weekly, and. It was actually a much more complicated project, but it was almost all the same people, although we had a different person on information architecture, it was Jennifer Brooke. And it, but it was from a JavaScript standpoint, it was like 10 times more complicated uh, because they had a lot more types of interactions that they wanted to support. Um, mm-hmm. But very much the same workflow, the same issues, the same, we used Pattern Lab, we did all the same stuff. So. Um, it's just more fun JavaScript yeah. to look at. If you're into JavaScript, you can go over there and view source, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's also on on uh, WordPress VIP, isn't it? It is, yeah. And TenUp also did the integration there, so it was just total coincidence actually uh, that it was it was the same two teams. But uh, it worked it worked really well, and unbelievably, only about fifty percent of the TechCrunch comment- commenters hate the redesign, which is like. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, the last redesign was, it was like 99% of the people despised it and were, you know, if their claims are true, were physically vomiting on their desks. And <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what iOS 7 did to me when I put it on my iPad. Yeah, except you're not kidding. <laughs> no, except, I'm, yeah, I'm not kidding. It's not as bad on the phone, yeah. but on the iPad, all the animations do actually give me headaches. Now, and, and is it the see. parallax on the home sc- behind the home screen icons or is it just all no, the zooming? No, it's just all the all the zooming. Yeah. So yeah, so TechCrunch, you can go to techcrunch.live. There's no M dot. It's the entire site uh, is now a responsible design. Also extremely fast loading, which again blows me away because it was it was very slow before. Um and just an amazing number of different types of pages. If you really uh, if you drill in, there's all kinds of things. Crunchbase, and they do live events, and they have like TV section where they do videos, and there's a lot going on there. Um, sort of 
sort of very simple image galleries because uh, they don't they don't really they don't really care that much about high res images there. So they just wanted them to be um, they wanted something simple and there's just a lot going on. So you can uh, go through view source and, and maybe pick up some interesting interactions from the design team. All right. So I have, uh, speaking of Maggie, <laughs> um, when Erica was pregnant, she had gestational diabetes. So she had to keep track of her blood sugar. She had to measure her blood sugar four times a day and also keep track of what she was eating for each meal to see mm -hmm. how it contributed to, uh, the, her numbers. So, um, there, you know, so of course there's like probably, you know, there's like dozens and dozens of diabetes apps and there's hundreds of uh, calorie trackers, but we couldn't find one that was, that tied the two together so that you could actually track what you ate and then see how it affected your numbers in the same view. Yeah. That kind of surprises me that you couldn't find one. Yeah. And there, wasn't one, so. yeah, I mean, we looked, she, I didn't look, she did. And she, she like downloaded at least six different ones and they were all, there's one, there's some of them are super fancy, really a lot of work went into it, but they don't do exactly what you want. So I was like, you know, obviously I was like, well, I'll just build it. So, right. <laughs> so I made, um, I made a, th a thing called fat Maggie that is, <laughs> that didn't even have a login. So I didn't want to talk about it before because it was just like a wide open site that anybody could. Right. If, if anyone knew the URL, they could go and, and like, yeah. Yes. impersonate Eric eating jelly donuts. <laughs> exactly. So I, so when she, you know, once she was born, then I just threw a login on it and changed a couple of things and, and polished it up a little bit, but it's an extremely basic app that is, it's responsive, but it's kind of like the niche website where it just gets bigger right. and bigger and bigger on the screen. <laughs> so it's not really meant to be used on the desktop. And it, it, at some point I could probably come up with a better use of real estate but it, it really, it's one of those apps that just does exactly one thing. It tries to do it as, as well as it can and not, it's just no frills right? and just be as fast as possible. So if anybody out there has gestational diabetes, you can go to fatmaggie.cc and. Or, or regular diabetes for that matter. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so the nice thing about, I suppose the really nice thing about this that none of the other apps had is that um, there's a report screen that I modeled exactly on the piece of paper that she was supposed to be filling out all her numbers on. Mm -hmm. And I set up print styles for it. So like you can enter all your numbers on the phone and then just just press print. And if there's, a, you know, obviously if you have a printer on your network, you can print off of your phone or anything uh, and get like a really nice formatted eight and a half by 11 paper that you can bring to your doctor because that's what they are expecting to see. Right. And uh, I went with her. To, I didn't go to the doctor very much with her, but I went twice. And both times the doctors were like, wow, you are so organized. Look at this. <laughs> Usually we get these things and they're all crumbled up and scratched out and pencil and you can't read it. And so I was secretly hoping that one of them would be like, how did you do that? Where did yeah. this come from? You know, but no one really cared. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So I'll have to make my millions elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you can, you can casually invoice people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so Fat Maggie's not going to blow anybody away with design, but there's a lot of subtle little things that, um, uh, concessions that I made to optimize for speed and, and mobile and touch. So yeah. I think, uh, it's, it's a good one to actually look at because there's so little there that you can really, um, 
really it's, see the things that you did to yeah you can really learn yeah. stuff from it because there's not a lot of cruft nice i don't even think it has any javascript in it there i think there's a smidge of javascript on one of the data entry pages but that's about it so once i was done with that um i'd been wanting to um rebuild i had an application a calorie tracker application called kilo that i used as all of my examples whenever i would do talks and uh, i used it a lot and um, at some point i had some i can't remember what happened but something happened on one of my servers and i lost all the code i think it was like one of the godaddy fiascos yeah it was either that or my server got hacked at one point and i backed it up and then i moved everything over and i must have missed something i can't remember what it was and i could probably find it somewhere but Again, it's just such a trivial little application that I was like, I might as well just rewrite it anyway. And actually, you had me, you had me do the API. We mm-hmm. did the Kilo API. Yep. Um, yeah. And did you use it? I did not. Because <laughs> 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 you know, here's why: because um, it was so similar to the way that Fat Maggie was written that I literally just duped the code and modified a couple of the pages and created like a different database. Yeah. And just went to town. And right, it's funny fine, because I'm, I'm I'm totally taking that API off GitHub then and getting my getting my private repo space back. <laughs> Is it not oh you can do that. I have it forked. You can do that. Oh, okay. Actually I think it may be public. I don't remember, but whatever. I don't know. But uh yeah, I was like and and someday I will do that. But this I just wanted to get this done because yeah. uh and here's why. Because what I had been doing, I'm like a manic I'm like crazy about I track all my calories. And uh, uh, I have been, while that was down, and it's been down for months, I've uh, been using, I just, I was like, what happened was it went down, and then I just stopped tracking my calories, and I'm like, I'm not going to download a calorie tracker, because I hate them all, I've tried them all, they're all <laughs> not what I want, and uh, they're, they're really, they're really awful, they're awful. All mm-hmm. of them want to be like a food database, and they want to, they like try to make everything easy by adding all of these whiz-bang features, but they, it, which are nice for like the first two days uh, because you're not, maybe if you just started tracking your calories, you don't know how many calories there are in like, a, you know, fried eggs or something. Yeah, but then you go to add a turkey sandwich and like none of them are, are your turkey sandwich. Right, so you've got a database there's, of like 50,000, you know, it, like if all I ate was packaged foods, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, that's not the case. And and I, all I want to do is write down a food and how many calories are in it. It's simple. Yeah. So I don't want f- screens sliding all over the place and, you know, like fancy stuff and, you know, and like having to tap seven times for each entry. It's crazy. Yeah. And you don't want to unlock achievements. Uh, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Sh- every single time. Share this to Facebook. It's like, oh, God, leave me alone. I, you know, yeah. I just want a piece of paper, but on my phone. So anyway, so this is like Kilo V2 is one step up from a piece of paper. <laughs> the The nice thing about it, though, for me is, and this was the, as much as I really despised the interface on all the calorie trackers I tried, the thing that I really hate about them is that that I couldn't, I didn't find any that did a good job syncing across devices. Mm. And that's like a deal breaker for me. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I, I'm like having this app on my phone revealed to me how often I don't have my main phone on me. It's like a lot of times I would be like, Oh, I got to put down that, you know, that beer I just drank. I'm like, oh, I don't have my phone. Where's my phone? Cause I'll be like the, it'll be charging and I'll have like an iPod touch in my pocket instead of yeah. my phone. 
So then you're like, all right, now I have to remember this, or now I have to put this somewhere else, or email it to myself, or it's like so irritating. Like I need every application that I use has to be at least on the computer and the phone. So that's what this is. And yeah, so if people want to check it out again, it's like, it's basically a dupe of Fat Maggie. So it's, but it's probably more, it's, it's definitely more applicable to more real world, like people, like a lot more people, <laughs> I'm assuming, <laughs> track their calories than their glucose levels. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So you could actually use it for a couple of days and be like, uh, this, this is just too, whatever. It's too ugly. It's too simple. It doesn't have enough whiz bang, <laughs> but, uh, I promise you it's fast and it's like, and it's, there's no, like, like if there's no question, like you're either on, it, there's no offline support, nothing like that. It's like, can it, I send a text message to it? <laughs> no, nothing like that. You don't need to because well, there's no API, but it would be, uh, see yeah. a text message. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like Avalio made sense for sending in a text message, yeah. but the input on a, uh, the input like if you check it out and you put a couple of entries in it, you'll be like, I can enter food so fast on this thing and it's optimized for me, but I can, in, in five seconds, I can pull my phone out, launch the app, maybe seven seconds. If I include pulling the phone out, launch you the app. Get on that zoom animation. <laughs> oh, please. I don't use iOS seven. That's for babies. No, I, I have it on my phone because Ugh. I got tired of seeing the little badge saying that I need the little, mm. like, update badge soccer because i'm i have ocd like that <laughs> i know i hate those badges it's brutal yeah. i have like i've got seven seven ios devices here with that badge and you can't yeah. dismiss it and i and, and i couldn't upgrade if i wanted to because they're for testing right so whatever they're just pushy but yeah so no it's android phone so you whip it out bang it's like go straight to the page enter it and like you know it's saved it's it's synced i can immediately that second go back to my computer and change something it's like it's it's very feature free <laughs> but it's fast it's like the feature the feature that an app like that needs in my opinion is speed and this speed has speed and, and easy to use right because so, if you have to you know if it takes forever to do you're not going to do it right yeah and it's annoying because it's the kind of thing you have to do throughout the day so and you a lot of times you're eating, you're with other people. They think you're checking your phone, but really you're trying to put in your meal before you forget it. And it's like, you want to be as subtle and quick about it as possible. Um, so yeah, so anything that, anything I could do to make it faster. And now that I've been using it for a couple of days, I've got, I pretty much only eat about 20 different things. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of the time I eat like the same exact thing. And once you have that, that, that list, whatever it is, maybe for you it's 50 things or whatever, you don't have to yeah. type ever again. You just pick it. You're like, here's the thing. Boom, done. Oh, nice, nice. Cause you know who doesn't do that? Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there are dozens of things that people eat every day. Like every morning, I drink a Gatorade, a yellow Gatorade, guaranteed. <laughs> if I run out of yellow Gatorade, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and it's like, or like yogurt. I eat yogurt almost every morning. So it's you know, it's like, you know, for for someone with my habits, my eating habits, this is a perfect application. And I've got a couple of things that I want to add to it, like. Like, actually, if I was going to add stuff to it, it would be, like, themes. So people didn't mm -hmm. have to look at my ugly colors. Stuff like that. But, you know, and it's it's begging for social features, but I'm just not, you know, there's plenty of those already. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't want, um, 
I don't particularly want people to know when I had that that you know that double cheeseburger instead of the the baked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like that's the thing. Like on the one hand, something like Weight Watchers or whatever, they like really are into this the the peer pressure aspect, which I'm sure works. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I would be like, I think it would be counter. I think I would start lying. Yeah, I think I would. You know, like yeah, I would intentionally not track the bad stuff. Right. It wouldn't make me necessarily not eat it. It, it just might, make you not track it. It might make me might not make eat it. You feel guilty. Yeah, which is the idea, and it, but I think that I'm not sure how I'd react to that. Like I put, I do this, I do this hundred days of burpee exercise thing. Now we're totally mm-hmm. on a tangent, but um, <laughs> it's okay. It's late. Yeah, and yeah, I might as well take advantage of the fact that. Maggie's not actually asleep now. She's just sucking on my finger. Yeah. So hopefully you can't hear her. Um, but anyway, uh, it works for me with exercise because it's because exercise is like it's like you want motivation to do something. It's not mm-hmm. shame for for something you did. Right. It's the reverse. So it works for me. It works for exercise, but it would not work for. Uh, for food for Cali tracking. I don't know why it's just something different about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, different mindset. Yeah. Like I'm so. not gonna, you know, like if you don't exercise for a day, I mean, you know, it's, it's not like a major, major setback versus eating a donut, you know, yeah, or <laughs> eating like different. a sleeve of Oreos. Like yeah. to, if you, if you like, just like lose your, cause obviously you're in a mode where your, your self controls off. <laughs> Right. And you're like, oh God, now, like, I already feel like crap. I already did it. It's too late. So now I have to log it. And now everyone's just going to, like, you know what I mean? That, uh, yeah. And wait, wait. Oreos come in sleeves? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oreos are disgusting. Oreos are disgusting. Oreos, oh. Oreos I, they are not allowed in this house. <laughs> I can't control myself around Oreos. <laughs> Especially well, the I double won't say, stuff. I won't say disgusting. They're not disgusting, but they're definitely not my favorite cookie. Oh, no. No, no, no. I would, they're not even a cookie. They're Oreos. <laughs> like, to me, a cookie comes out of your oven. <laughs> That's a cookie. <laughs> and Oreo is just its own thing. It's its own food group. <laughs> it's its own food group. Oh, yeah. You look at the food pyramid and there's like, <laughs> like an Oreo island. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oreo island sounds like a fun place to go. It's going to milk ocean. (laughs) It does sound pretty cool. Wow. And on that note, dear listener, (laughs) that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got a title. Yeah, big time. (laughs) Oreo (laughs) Island. (laughs) Sailing the seas of milk. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.